0: Well, for last year, second half of last year The church have launched what we call the IDMC The Intentional Discipleship, uh, Disciple-Making Church This is what we are going And for the second half of 2021 We were emphasizing on the first quadrant of Connect Knowing that this IDMC, we have Connect, Equip, Mentor and Release So we have... Kind of a dealt with the connect and trying to get as many people to join the cell and be connected to the church as possible And now we are into the second quadrant, even as we enter the year 2022 And for this year, for the first half of the year, we are actually emphasizing on equip Equip What is equip? As you take a look at the slide, the equip will focus on, yes, ministry, equipping us for the word of ministry, and of course, equipping us to be disciples of Jesus Christ, that we are to continue to be disciples. And in equipping, there are the emphasis on three areas, equipping the head, equipping the heart, as well as equipping the hands. And of course we know that the head has to do with knowledge, knowing The heart has to do with our emotion How we allow the word of God How we allow the knowledge, influence us, impact our life And of course the hand is that whatever we learn We want to put it into practice We want to take action We want to apply And so for this, for the month of uh, uh, February Our emphasis will really be emphasizing on the head Knowing, right, We need to know God we, know we need to know who God is And we need to know him personally And last week, Pastor Francis started off By talking about that we need to come close to God To have an encounter with God In order to know him That we want to seek the face of God Like Moses coming before God And tell God, God show me your face right? And I believe that our knowledge of God Will influence the way we relate to God Knowing God's nature, knowing God's character Knowing God's attribute Will help us draw close To Him, so that we will not just know about God, but we will know Him as our Heavenly Father And we will know the Lord as our personal Lord and Savior And so this morning, I would like to entitle my message as The Awesome God We want to know God, right? We want to equip with the right knowledge of God Because knowing the truth, the Bible says the truth will set us free So we want to know this awesome God And the text will be taken from Isaiah chapter 40 Alright, and basically from verse 12 onwards But before we delve into this passage Let me just tell you that the book of Isaiah Is somewhat like a mini Bible Now, how many chapters are there in the book of Isaiah? Anyone know? Shout it out to me Now you quickly turn to your Bible, huh? (laughs) The book of Isaiah got 66 chapters Just like the Bible, we have 66 books And the book of Isaiah generally can be divided into two big portions Just like the Bible, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament And the Old Testament, you have 39 chapters And the New Testament, you have 27 chapters Similarly in the book of Isaiah The theme of Isaiah can generally be classified into two groups The first 39 chapters focusing on the theme of God's judgment. And then, over to the next 27th chapter, it focuses on hope. It focuses on God's promise, you see. It's just like a mini Bible, like the Old Testament talking about God, a creation, the fall of man, the judgment of God. And New Testament tells us about Jesus, the Messiah. They bring us into new life. The same thing can be said of the book of Isaiah That's why some people call it as a mini Bible that's found in Isaiah So if you have a, a Bible with you uh, Whether electronically or uh, a physical Bible You quickly turn to Isaiah chapter 39 right? Isaiah chapter 39, that means it belonged to the earlier portion that talk about God's judgment You realize that in Isaiah chapter 39, it prophesied of the fall of Jerusalem Where the Babylonian will come and ransack everything there is Because King Hezekiah have shown the Babylonian envoy when they came He showed them everything that's in the treasure house of God And therefore Isaiah prophesied that everything will be taken away It was a message of destruction It was a message of hopelessness So Isaiah chapter 39 ended with that But then Now you quickly turn to Isaiah chapter 40 The second part of Isaiah Somewhat like the New Testament And when you look at Isaiah chapter 40 Look at the very first verse Verse 1, how it begins It begins with the word comfort Comfort my people, says your God Speak tenderly to Jerusalem Tell her that her sad days are gone And her sins are pardoned Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over For all her sins You see the contrast? You see the difference? Here is complete destruction in one chapter And turning to the next Immediately there is a word of comfort Coming out from God It's just like when you are sitting in darkness Complete darkness And suddenly a ray of light just shines through Or it's like you are grieving in pain In sorrow Because of the situation Circumstances around you And then you hear a gentle voice Whispering words of comfort to you Or perhaps it's like you have come to a dead end, the end of the road, and you don't know what to do, and suddenly a way of opportunity, a way of escape, just open up for you. So Isaiah chapter 40 started off with that message of hope. It is said that Isaiah chapter 40 is written in such a way that it takes our focus away from all our troubles and everything else and causes us to see the awesome God. It helps us to focus on the right thing. God, the one that is Almighty, God, the one that is great, right? and God, the one that is sovereign. And so, you know, this is how Isaiah tells us. And so, in verse one to verse eleven of Isaiah, it prophesied about the coming Messiah. It talks about a voice calling out in the wilderness, right? I thought it's John the Baptist, and he's talking about you know the savior that is coming from verse one to verse eleven, and then from verse twelve onwards. The entire passage speaks of the greatness of God It tells us how awesome our God is And may this message of the awesomeness of God Stir in us a heart of worship And build a faith in us Especially during this challenging time In order to appreciate the beauty of the entire passage I would like us to read you know, the whole passage at once Before I go into the message so yeah, your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. We will read from verse 12 right until verse 27. And I would like to read it from the NLT right? because I find that the flow is easier, right? So let's turn to Isaiah 40, verse 12 to verse 27. And I'm going to read it in one breath. You follow along and try to appreciate the language and the description of what a mighty God we have. Okay, verse 12. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on the scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket They are nothing more than dust on the scale He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand All the wood in Lebanon's forest and all the Lebanon's animals Would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God The nations of the world are worth nothing to him in his eyes, they count for less than nothing Mere emptiness and fraud To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol form in a mold Overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that They might at least choose wood that would not decay and, skill a cra- and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that would not fall down Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tents from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking roots. When he blows on them and they wither, the wind carries them off like chaff. Verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? asked the Holy One. Look up into the heaven. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O oh, Jacob, How can you say the Lord does not see your trouble? Oh Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Wow. As you listen to these words, it's so marvelous. The language that's used is so rich. The figurative, uh, the figure of speech to highlight the nature, the power of God in contrast to mankind. And let me just... And unpack this entire passage to you It is so rich, you know, there are so many things in it I just want to unpack it into four simple points That we are going to follow along in this passage, right? And uh, first, I would like to let you know that The four simple points we can gather from this passage Is about the awesome God The awesome God, right? The greatness of God The God who is greater than all And then we'll see, you know, Isaiah talk about the God who knows it all. And then he talk about, you know, um, it's not that, yeah, the God who knows it all, the God who has no equal and the God that is personal. So follow along uh, as we look into uh, this word. First of all, he talk about the greatness of God from verse 12 onwards. He talk about the God that is greater than all. God is greater than the world Even in verse 12 it tells us Who else has held the ocean in his hand You know, And who has measured off the heavens with his finger How big is our hand? Our hand is not very big, right? But then the way it it describes is that that The whole world and everything in it Is just in the hand of God Now here of course the prophet Isaiah Was using a figure of speech A figure of speech to describe the greatness of God In human terms Truly, God is not a giant human being. We know what giant is. Uh, maybe a giant is double outside, triple outside. We look at the wow, that's giant like David and Goliath. Goliath was a huge giant. But, but God is not a huge giant human being. Right? It's just figurative. God is spirit, God is without form. And Isaiah was simply using human terms to describe God so that we can understand who God is. It tells us that God is dominant. Over all creation That he can contain the oceans In his hand When you cup your hand together like this You can try to put some water It won't fall long And the water will seep through You know, your fingers, right? And it's very little water That you can hold But can you imagine All the ocean God can contain it In his hand He can weigh the mountain How heavy is the mountain? Have you tried to weigh But God knows He put the scale Mountain on the scale So we know that God Created all this In other words God is just big Exactly how big is God? Exactly how big is God? It's very difficult for us to imagine It's too big For us to even measure Say for example Let's say from the eye of an ant Let's say if you are an ant And when you look up to us human beings we are big, Don't you think so? In the eye of an, ant, wow, this is just too big. Our smaller, little, tiny finger is already how many size bigger than an ends. You just use a piece of paper and you scoop an end up. And then you just blow it, and the end will be gone. With a single puff, with a single breath, there goes the end. To the end, we are big, we are huge If you can imagine that You can think of how big our God is And therefore, in verse verse 26 It says, look up into the heaven Who created the stars? He brings them out like an army One after another, calling each by name I want you to imagine that There are so many stars in the sky That we cannot count we are not able to count, that's why God told Abraham, I will bless your and like the stars in the sky, you cannot count them. Uh, we, in fact, we can't see all the stars in our naked eyes. There are many more stars that are above that we cannot see with a naked eye. Uh, and we, we can't count them, yet God is the one who created the stars and God created them what? God created them one by one. One by one, he created them, he called them out And each and every star in the sky, and he even named them We know that we have named certain planets and certain stars But God named them one by one And he ensures that nothing is missing Already we are saying that God knows the number of hairs on our head It's already amazing God count the hands on our head is already amazing. We are talking of God. We are talking about God knowing the stars and he will ensure that none of them is missing. Now this speaks of what? It speaks of the attention that God gives to his creation, An individual attention. It speaks of his personal care and interest in each and every one of us. If God can pay attention to every star, if a single star has fallen and missing, God knows and counts it. Wow, think of it, church. God is paying personal attention to each and every one of us who are created in the image of God. Because God paid attention to details. Now the question is directed to man in verse 27. That is this question. It's redirected to man. He said, Oh Jacob. How can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? You see, from describing how God cares for his creation Now, Isaiah brings attention to man When we look at God's creation and the greatness of God How should we respond? We should respond in awe We should respond in worship because even the psalmist say that the heavens declare the glory of God right? Even all the stars, all the firmament are pointing you know, their, their, their hands towards God and worshipping God And we as God's creation, we are supposed to respond in awe in worship But the problem is, often instead of worshipping God in awe, we start complaining We complain Alright? Instead of worship, we complain. We complain about our troubles. We complain that God doesn't care for us. Uh, we question the ways of God. We question God why you allow the pandemic to take place? You know, God, why unfortunate things might happen in my family, to my life? God, why you let this happen and let that happen? We begin to question the goodness of God. We say exactly the same thing, like the Israelite. Uh, what did the Israelite say? Uh, God does not care God does not see our trouble Uh, Why the Lord doesn't see our trouble? Why God ignores our rights? So they were complaining But in actual fact, Isaiah said that God actually paid attention to you Yet you are complaining So in in, in this case, I think the star and the creation Behave better than us At least the star and creation They declare God's glory They don't complain like us human beings So Isaiah put the facts right before them And asked How can you say that? How can you say that God don't care for you? How can you say that God ignore you? Look at our current situation. We are weighed down by the problem that is affecting every one of us. Especially with this pandemic, the pressure is mounting high. Uh, The COVID cases are going up. And we know that there is also a rising food cost. Food prices are also going up. The uncertainty of the economy recovery When you think that we are moving up and then there's another wave The high cost of good education We know that our national education system is not what it should be And to pay for good education, the cost is also rising up And the political instability of our nation in the midst of pandemic And people are talking about election So it is human to feel disheartened and helpless But this passage draws our attention to the greatness of God It tells us that God is greater than our problem And in fact, God is greater than all the world's problems put together Amen? Not just our individual problem But all the problems that all the world put together Therefore, let us not complain as though God is not aware of our trouble And that he doesn't care for us Do not complain neither Israelite Okay, let us, get, let us not get upset just because we are being hemmed in from every side, just because of the pressure we are facing. Our problem may be big, but God is bigger. So I want you to say with me, say after me, my problem may be big, but God is bigger than my problems. Amen. And most important of all, let us not lose sight of the awesomeness of God. Instead of complaining, let's learn to worship Him who is greater than all. Not only God is greater than all, when we look at verse 13 and 14, it tells us the God who knows it all. God knows everything. He's omniscience. He's an all-knowing God. And look, look at verse 13. It says, who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give advice or teach Him? Wow. Do you ever advise God? Isaiah goes on to tell us that God knows everything that's happening in this world God doesn't need our instruction And we don't need to tell God what to do How many times we err in our prayers by giving God instruction We all pray, right? I trust that we all pray I pray and I believe that we all pray all right. How many times in our prayer we actually give God instruction? Having a right knowledge of God will affect the way we pray. It will affect the way we address God and express ourselves to God. So I believe most of us when we pray, we address God as what? Well, as Father, isn't it? Our Father in Heaven. This is how Jesus teaches us how to pray. Our Heavenly Father, or we address Him as Lord God. All right? And I believe that many times when we started off in prayer We started humble, humbly, we come before God We acknowledge Him And probably we confess our sin We thank Him, we give praise to Him And after that, what do we do? We went on into our prayer requests And the more we go into our prayer requests uh, Then we start unknowingly Naturally, perhaps We start advising God how we want it done God, I not only have this prayer God, I, God can you t- please do it this way uh? We tell God how we want it to be done According to our way And of course, there is a very fine line I must say There is a very fine line Between a request and an instruction Can you see the difference Between a request and an instruction? Sometimes there is a fine line Isn't it? Right? Especially when it comes to prayer So it's really our attitude Our motive and the way we pray That matters You know When you pray, leave the methodology to God Don't tell God what to do Say for example, if you are praying for someone to come to know the Lord Yes, you can pray for the person's salvation You can pray, you know, that God will soften the heart of the person You know, you can pray for the person But then you don't have to tell God God, you send this person, okay God, I know that auntie next door uh, is also a Christian God, you send him You don't have to tell God, send who? You don't have to tell God what to do God knows what to do. You ask God to send the auntie, maybe God wants to send the uncle. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? you, 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 you. Sometimes we tell God what we want. So leave the methodology to God. When we start advising God what to do, the outcome is we get upset when we don't get what we ask for. All right? And not because God doesn't know what we want, but God knows what will happen. God knows what will happen if he give in to every of our requests and follow our methodology. God knows the outcome. Sometimes it's not, it may not be the best of our interests. It may not even be workable. Since God is a God who knows it all, he's an all-knowing God, let's allow him to decide and lead us as he wills. We need to pray like Jesus, not my will, but yours be done because he's a God that knows it all. And then Isaiah went on quickly in verse 15 to 17. The God who has no equal, who can be compared with God. He started off by telling us that no nation can compare with God. Look at verses 15 to 17. He said, No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scale. He picked up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. He tells us, That God is bigger than nations How do you gauge The strength of a nation A lot of time we gauge the strength And the power of the nation Based on their military might Based on how many aircraft How many soldiers they have Look at the parade You have seen uh, the parade of Chinese army In the National Day celebration uh, In the National Day parade It is just jaw dropping The number of troops they have the fleets of war machines in parade are, The display of their military might is just mind-blowing China is the third most powerful nation in the world In terms of military might After US and Russia So when you look at that, wow But the scripture tells us All the nations of the world But a drop in a bucket to God China US Russia By the way, Russia is about to invade Ukraine It's just a drop of bucket As far as God is concerned uh, It simply means the greatest glory of all nations combined together Is but as a drop in a bucket Compared to the greatness and the glory of God can you imagine how great our God is then? There's no equal, no comparison No nation can stand against God All right, And not only that No idol can stand against God No idol can stand against God To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can, you, can he be compared to an idol? We all know that mankind are created for worship Unfortunately, instead of worshipping the creator God Many resort to worshipping idols made with human hands Because they wanted to see something more tangible When they worship. But they forgot that the tangible The physical and the material Are actually limited Because God is spirit and spirit is unlimited in sphere. Spirit is unlimited in space. Therefore, we are called to worship God in spirit and in truth. Because God who is spirit, that is unlimited, that is omnipresent, that can be present everywhere. And the God that knows it all, He is the one that deserves our worship. We are to worship Him. And idols is a man's creation, based on man's concept, Based on man's imagination, they created the idol in their mind and they craft it in their hand. Whereas on the other hand, the God is a creator of all. and either can fall to the ground and break, but our God is a firm foundation, amen? Our God will not fall to the ground, our God will not break. And therefore, no idol can stand against God. We are to stay away from idol. And of course, the last one is saying, no human might... Can stand against God No human might. Verse 21 to verse 24 Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? Verse 22 God sits above the circle of the earth The people below seem like grasshoppers to him now in the human history, they are princes, they are rulers, they are emperors, they are world conquerors But all of them are no more today right? You have people like Sri Wang you have people like Napoleon, you have people, you know, the, uh, the, the Assyrian army, they came, Babylonian army, they came And all the conquerors that you can think of, you know uh, But they are no more They are like grasshoppers So with a series of rhetorical questions When you look at verse 21 to verse 24 A series of rhetorical questions Once again, Isaiah nailed home the point That God is without equal Isaiah would be very amazed He would be very amazed At how one can look at the glory And the marvelous design of the creation And yet doubt that there is a master Designer How can you ever doubt that The universe, the creation itself Have already shown you That there is a master designer And of course The interesting question is How would the Isaiah way back In his time, before the study Of science, knew that the earth Is a circle and not flat Wow, this was written How many thousands of years ago He said God sits above the circle Of the earth with that, it threw off the flat earth theory, by the way you know, And it was indeed by divine revelation As he penned the inspired word of God And that's why the Bible says The word of God stands firm forever And so in verse 25 This is a very interesting question for all of us To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One To whom will you compare God? Who will be God's equal? The obvious answer is what? No one That's right The answer is no one There's no one that can compare with God And because there's no one that's equal with God The only option for mankind Is to worship Him and to trust Him Now having described all that is about God How great God is uh, the God that knows it all And there's the God that, is no, that has no comparison There has no equal Now the question is What has that to do with us? What has that to do with you and me? God is up there God is so great God is so huge right? God, We know of God's power We know of God's uh, 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 attributes Now Isaiah is getting more personal He's coming back to us humankind he said, yes, knowing God is important But we need to know God You see, we have to equip our head We have to have an accurate knowledge and understanding of God We need to know the truth about God So that we can be set free And not only that, when we know the truth about God We need to learn how to relate to God So the subsequent verses tell us how we can relate to this awesome God It tells us that the God God Who is personal. The God who is personal. Verses 28 to 31. Although God is so majestic and so awesome, He is beyond measure. But God is gentle with His creation. Uh, He relates to mankind in a tender, loving way. Like just now in the start of this message, I read to you from verse 2. He speaks tenderly to Jerusalem. Why did God speak tenderly to Jerusalem? Because Jerusalem was about to be destroyed. Jerusalem is going to go through a hard time. You will be completely destroyed, ransacked. The, the temple is going to be no more. The wall is going to break down. Right? Everyone will be grieving in deep sorrow that nothing can console them, nothing can comfort them. It's complete helplessness and hopelessness. Everything is dark. And it's at this moment God speak Tenderly to Jerusalem, and I want to tell you, friends, God speaks tenderly to each and every one of us. He may be the great and mighty God, but He's also a very personal God. Uh, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, He's telling us that He's concerned for us, He will give strength to the weak, He invites us to put our trust in Him. So let's look at verse 28 to verse 31. Have you never heard? Again, rhetorical question. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. Verse 31, But those who trust in the Lord... Will find new strength They will soar high on wings like eagles They will run and not grow weary They will walk and not faint As we come to know of the character and the attribute of God It gives us confidence that we are safe As long as we put our faith in this almighty God We are safe Because God specializes in giving power to the weak and strength To the powerless In comparison to God None of us is strong enough We can be affected by an unseen virus So we are not strong, right? Not strong at all We are not strong enough Even the strongest man in the world Is just like grasshopper They are just like grasshopper before God To come before God We need to recognize our weakness And come in humility And say, Lord I am weak, but you are strong And so verse 31 is an invitation Verse 31 is an invitation to all of us To all mankind To trust in the Lord You see, those who trust in the Lord Will find new strength Of course, in other translations Older translations You say those who wait in the Lord In NRV, I think you said, Those who hope in the Lord To wait in the Lord doesn't mean That you're sitting there Doing nothing passively And waiting you know, for something to happen No it means, you know, when you wait, you wait in hope, you wait in expectation, you wait trusting, believing something will take place, right? So, while we wait, we are looking into the future with hope, hope in God, and trusting Him to carry us through tough time. So, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling tired and worn out? Not so much physically, but mentally Emotionally Due to What is happening around us Do you drain, feel drained After expecting life to normalise When COVID cases were easing off And now We are hit by another wave Perhaps a bigger wave It can be very draining, right? Emotionally Are you feeling the stress And the tension Within you Due to what we call The yo-yo situation We are in Fret not Because the awesome God invites us He invites us to put our trust in Him And He will renew our strength You see, when we rely on the strength And compare our might with God Some people, they think that they are very strong When we compare our might with God, we are like grasshopper But on the other hand, if we acknowledge our weakness and learn to trust Him we actually become strong. We become very, very strong because God is with us. We find a new strength to go the long distance. We'll be able to soar high as an eagle, soar with ease without feeling the strain, soar with ease with outstretched arms. Look at the eagle, they are carried by the wing. They don't flap their wing very often because when you keep flapping your wing, you get very tired. Some of you who ride bicycle, you know, you keep paddling, you get very tired, right? Maybe you like the slope, don't have to paddle Zoo, Just go down like that, correct or not? So the, the eagle are just, you know, allowing the, the, the wind to carry with his outstretched wing. They're very huge So he can fly high, he can fly long And when God strengthens us, we are just like the eagle. Spread our wings and allow the Spirit of God to carry us right? Allow the Spirit of God to carry us all right, we are, the, we are not the one that is going to carry the weight of the world on our shoulder He is the one that is carrying the weight on his shoulder And he is the one that is carrying us as well All right, So because of that, we can keep going when we have to run huh? To keep running the, the Bible says that they will run and not grow weary To keep up with the fast pace of life is very difficult, isn't it? Ah, uh, perhaps the nature of your job is super fast paced Some of you are the way, you know, the nature of your work is super fast paced. And you are trying to play catch up game every day. Deadline here, deadline there. You know, I just finished one deadline, I have another deadline. Actually, the deadline was tomorrow, that kind of thing. How many of you are in that kind of field, that kind of work? It's so stressful, you are just playing catching up game every day. But the Bible says you will not grow tired when we trust in the Lord. Or when life gets into routine, when you walk, walk is a routine. You still find the motivation to keep going because it can be very boring. It can be very mundane. You walk, you're doing the same day, same thing day in, day out. You are doing the same job day in, day out. Right? You are following the same routine day in, day out. It can be very mundane, right? You say The Bible says they will walk and not faint. You will be able to find new motivation for what you are doing. You'll be able to find new motivation, new enthusiasm. The Lord will renew us. I like what Warren Wispy said. As we wait on the Lord, He enables us not only to fly higher and run faster, but also to walk longer. Hallelujah. Yes, those who trust in the Lord will be able to fly higher, run faster and walk longer. Remember in my introduction just now, I say Isaiah 40 is written in such a way that it takes our focus away from our trouble and everything else and cause us to see the awesome God. I want you to take a look at this picture. Right? I hope that the message this morning has achieved the objective of helping us to refocus on God, especially with the trouble all around us And we know that in photography When we talk about focus Sometimes when they want to focus on one object They will blur the rest of the background So that you can focus on it So in this image You can see the flower in front is very sharp and very bright But you see the blurred image All behind Isn't it? All right? It blurred behind so that the focus will not be on the blur side The focus will be on the beauty of the flower with the bee that is there You can see very clearly But if everything is same Well you may miss out the bee You may not even notice that there is a bee So similarly when we focus on God All surrounding problems become blurred. All surrounding problems become blurred. When we see What we see is a clearer vision of God And when we see him when we see him as an awesome God, when we see him as holy and majestic, when we have a clear vision of God, we can't help but stand in awe, in worship. That was what happened to Isaiah. When he entered into the presence of God, when he entered into a temple, when he saw, you know, the train, the glory of God fill the temple, he began to say, holy, holy, and, and the angels say, holy, holy, holy. And when Isaiah saw the vision of God, he said, Boy, I'm undone. I'm finished there at this time. You know, God is so holy. I almost died, you know, right? But God touched him. God renewed him. And God said, Who will I send? God say, Here I am. Because now he sees a clear vision of God. And I want all of us to see a clear vision of God. Don't let the surrounding problem frighten us. But when we see a clear focus of God, all other things will become blurred. Then we can see the God who is greater than God all We can see the God who knows it all We can see the God who has no equal And we can see the God that is personal to you and me And God pay attention to you and me Amen? Amen And this is what we want to do We want to focus on God this morning